real business owners telling real stories and experiences. Welcome to the show. All right, so it's time for another podcast, and I'm here with Bob over at Sip Java. Say hi. Hello. All right. Um, so you'll, I hope you like the background. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't see it because it's audio. But, you know, one of my favorite places. So this is the Express, right? That's correct. The first store you had is over at Victoria Park Shops. That's correct. That's where, you know, you and I met and I used it as my second office, but I always bought extra stuff. <laughs> right? And I we think appreciate that. I, uh, I've went through about uh, 15 loyalty cards because um, I live right next door. Uh, and, but seriously, great small business. Uh, I want to hear the story. What you were doing before, how you got to this point, what SIP Java represents, and the future, right? So go ahead. So Fire away. A lot of people ask me, do you have any, did you have any experience in food service before you bought the coffee shop? And the truth is that out of college, um, I did a bunch of different things. I had opportunity to work with a stockbroker. I worked with, an, with investment bankers. I designed custom furniture. Uh, and I finally ended up in Connecticut, uh, and I bought a bakery. And it was a commercial bakery, and everything about the bakery that I purchased was wrong. It was... Uh, <laughs> that's why... It's another podcast first here. I've never heard anybody admit they did it wrong. That... Uh, the, uh, the original owners, uh, pretty wealthy guy, had purchased it first because his wife was interested in doing something, and she lost interest very quickly when she realized how much hard work it is to run a bakery. No and it was a combination of commercial bakery and retail. And it was right on the post road in Westport, Connecticut. So that's and a lot of 3 a.m. mornings. And it, well, mm -hmm. everyone thinks you bake, you know, you can bake, you know, early in the morning, but we were baking. We were baking from two in the afternoon till three in the morning, and then getting up at six a.m. to deliver the bread. Okay, so you got two hours of sleep. You got two hours of sleep, and then you'd come back from that, and you would uh, mm -hmm. you would do billing, you would do collections, you would do whatever you had to do, uh, and then you might go out and try to sell something, and you, then you know you, you, it was one of those things where I just sold a thousand loaves of bread. Oh crap! <laughs> yeah. I got to bake a thousand loaves of bread. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and you know the bakery was a beautiful. They did a great job. It had it had great great equipment. It had great staff, but it was in a place where the rent was ridiculously expensive. It was it was it should never have been where it was built, uh, and you know it was just ridiculously expensive to to do that where your average sale was going to be like six seven bucks. Sure. And uh, I talked to the the guy that you know brought me into the business. We were 50, 50 owners, and I said, you know, before we exhaust your entire investment, we've got to close this down, here's why. Yeah. And you know, that's what happened. You Sucky it down. feeling, but it is what it is. Well, it, it really you know, it really taught me that you have to look at the numbers very hard, and you have to be very realistic about what's possible. Now, we could have moved the bakery, we could have tried a whole bunch of things, adding sandwiches, getting seating in there, doing a whole bunch of things. But at the end of the day, you would never be able to get to the point where you're overcoming that, that rent and staffing number that you need to do to be successful. Sure. Because you want the business to be profitable. You want the business to be profitable. Because you have to eat. You have to eat. You yeah. have to pay yourself. You have to yeah. pay your staff. You have to make those investments. Sure. So you had the bakery, and then you moved on to. So we. I came. You know. I came to the. Came back. I sold the bakery and I came to. Came to Fort Lauderdale. Oh, excuse me. I came to Tampa. I came to Florida. My mother was here, and uh, I was. 
I was you know, basically started over. And I kind of made a decision at that time I wanted to go work for a technology company. I wanted to go to work for Microsoft. But the big boys. The big boys. But despite having um, a good college education uh, and a lot of practical experience, I was not at all qualified to go work for Microsoft. <laughs> um, I got, I was very You're like the most humble person we've had on the podcast. Like, <laughs> bakery didn't do good. I had well, no experience but, to go work for Microsoft. But, but what I made the decision was is that I wanted to come up with a plan sure. to, get, to get to the point where I could go to work for Microsoft. Okay. So I started out at a company um, actually doing collections for a company that sold technical training to major corporations, Motorola, IBM, you know, teaching, teaching people either Microsoft technologies or Cisco technologies or how to program in COBOL because we were coming up to 1999. I don't know if you remember all that craziness <laughs> where the world was gonna stop because we didn't oh, yeah. have zero. Y2K. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I, I got that job and it was very successful at collecting money because when you own a bakery, people don't pay their bills. <laughs> You sell wholesale, restaurants don't pay their bills. Yeah, talk to me twice. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, I, I was very successful at collecting mm -hmm. money. And I said, hey, guys, look how I've done selling, excuse me, collecting money, I can sell this for you. And in my first year, I was the top salesman in that company because I was very focused on getting to where I wanted to go. Yep. So from 1997 through uh, 2001, I was selling technical training. 9-11 hit. And like a lot of people, when the economy tanked, and especially the tech economy tanked, I was out of a job. Okay. So I got, I went, I talked to my contacts in the field, and they said we can hire you on January first, two thousand and two. <laughs> so we have budget for them, but we can't do it. So I had a couple months off, um, and at that time, I just kind of read and I studied. It was it was actually very very nice. Uh, and then I started back into technical training. Okay. Did that for one year, and then I got a job at what they call a large company software. And okay, large, all large right. account reseller deals exclusively with selling licenses for large software publishers. Okay. Microsoft is a, what's called a software publisher, actually. And Microsoft, what most people don't realize, sells 99% of its revenue comes in through partners. They don't sell directly to you and me. Yeah. Okay. So, so maybe now with Office 365 is a little bit different, but the majority yeah, they used, of the, to, used to have to go to Office Depot and right. places like and, that. And, and so, yep. And yep. I got a job with this large account reseller. Um, selling these very large technical agreements, volume license agreements with sure. for, for to, to big companies. Yeah, I tell you, this is really setting up well for the coffee business. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what, okay. what it does. It, it will, it, I will get there. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to land the plane, David, I promise you. Uh, so did that, and then I was recruited by Microsoft after a year because okay. I was very successful at selling these agreements. That started my career at Microsoft. So 10 years at Microsoft, ending here in Fort Lauderdale, and well, that's right, because the office is at Cypress Creek. Correct. Right? I, was yeah, in the, yeah. I was in the Tampa office. Yep. Um, I, was, I was given a promotion in 2012. And I came down here as the area manager for what they call the Enterprise Product Group, dealing with the largest companies in South Florida. Yeah. Carnival Cruise Lines, uh, uh, the uh, Ryder, uh, Floor Power and Lights, yeah. Harris Corporation. Yeah. Very, very, very great companies to work for. And every day I would drive down the street down Federal and stop at through Urban Cafe. Yep, I know. And I'd get yep. my coffee and I would drive over to the Fort Lauderdale office, which was on North Andrews. Okay. And every day I would go to this coffee shop and I was like, this is a great coffee shop. I just don't understand why it's not doing more or it's why it's not busier. Mm -hmm. And you know, as I got towards the end of my career at Microsoft, and this isn't a knock against Microsoft or any large company, but at a certain point, you have to realize you're either going to be carrying a bag as a salesperson, mm -hmm. 
or you're going to be promoted up through the ranks and you'll be a vice president. Or, or, I was never going to make it to the ranks to be a vice president. You know, when you get to a certain level in companies like that, you realize that your jujitsu is as good as the next guy's jujitsu. Yep. And you either have to be particularly articulate or charming or have something else to bring to the table. And then you, you come to a realization, you know, am I going to fight that, that uphill climb? Or are you going to take a, a realistic look at where you are and then do something that you really want to do when you still have time to do it? And so, yeah, at the end, end of this, you know, this, this whole career path of 17 years in technology, um, I made a decision that I was going to leave Microsoft. Um, and in December of 20, uh, 2014, I purchased Brewer Cafe from the Denisons, a wonderful couple here in Fort Lauderdale. And um, I left Microsoft in February of 2015. And ever since then, I've been building, building SIP Java. Uh, so what changes did you make? Like you, you said it, it wasn't doing that well. What did you see SIP Java should look like to, what, to be like how do you, yeah. well, first of all, I am a very, uh, I was very, very uh, focused on customer service. Yes, and you are. What, and one of the things that I wanted to make sure was that, uh, that my staff was really pleasant and happy and really engaging with the customers. And what I noticed was that when I was going there before I bought the place, and they didn't know who I was. That, that was the amazing thing is that most of, the, most of my employees at the time, I've been going there for maybe six months, and they didn't know me the day I, I walked in and took over the business. Okay, yeah. Which, and is, which, which to me was sort of like, okay, that's a little, little, little eye-opening. And then I also noticed that um, who I would consider was pleasant or nice to me when I was buying something and tipping them. Now, in the coffee business, and what we do is you get your tip before the customer tastes your coffee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what are they tipping you on? They're not tipping you on the coffee they're going to receive. They're tipping you on the experience they're having with you as you're making the purchase. And what I noticed was that my experience when I was making a purchase from certain baristas or cashiers wasn't all that pleasant. It wasn't special. They didn't know who I was. Yeah. I've been going there six months, <clears throat> yeah. and they didn't know my drink. And to me, it was sort of like what I really wanted to change. I really wanted to see our baristas take a huge interest in the customers every day and making sure that they got to know their drinks. They didn't know the drinks, they should, or, or they should know their names. So what, you know, what goes on in my head here, right? Yeah. You're throwing me a curveball, right? Because that's different. Um, what I expected to, you to say was, well, I knew that I had to create, because I, I, I used to go to Urban Brew too, right? Yep. And you completely revamped the place. Well, I remember when you came so, in. So the, I mean, the chairs, you wanted, you, wanted, you wanted different chairs in there. I remember when you had the red ones, yep. you know? I know you just recently did a renovation, but you, know, you brought in a lot of different stuff. I thought that that would have been the first thing, but you're saying that you just wanted to condition the staff I, to well, be in a different spot. Yeah, I wanted to do this, because one of the things was that, you know, I. I purposely didn't learn how to make lattes and steam milk or do any of that stuff for almost a year because I knew that I was so frustrated with certain individuals on the on the staff that I'd probably just walk in and fire them if I could do it myself. <laughs> I was just like, you know, why are you so unpleasant to the person sure. that's handing you money? So what, what did you what did you find out? What what do you think was causing that? What did you think was causing that about? That? I think that people that are unhappy in their jobs 
at some level don't believe what they're doing is important. Okay. I believe that that um, everyone at, in my employment that makes sandwiches or cleans the bathrooms or makes drinks, they're incredibly important. What they do is super important to the people who they're serving. You can change a person's day if they have a great cup of coffee in the morning. Or at least you can, you can make it better because they've had the coffee that they were expecting. If, if, you, if they don't get that basis in the, in the morning, if they get a pleasant smile from Michelle or from Daria, I mean, it could just mean like, oh, my day's gonna go a little bit better. Yeah. Right? And that's, I believe that. And a lot of people don't necessarily think what they're doing is important. So, I've shared a little bit about this because I agree with you. I, I agree that the, the front-facing staff and the experience that people have are what drives repeat business, period, right? Um, because everything now is going into an experience because I can make a cup of coffee at my house. You can it wouldn't a, be the same type of you coffee. You can use a Keurig. You can do a lot of stuff. Whatever you want, right? Yep. But when I go to a coffee shop, I'm choosing to spend my money there, right? Yep. And a lot of people are out there. But on the flip side, because I deal with a lot of business owners, the staff like that don't exist. That's what they'll tell you. The staff like that don't exist. Bob, that sounds all great, dandelions and butterflies, but you really do it. Well, what, what I, I met your staff, I know. Well, what I tell my staff is this, is that I don't actually pay your wages. Yeah. I transfer money from people that give me money when they buy a cup of coffee, and I transfer it to you. So if you're unpleasant to a customer, if you're, if you're not engaging or explaining what our product is, or making them understand why we're different than our competitors, then you're failing. And it's, it's not necessarily my fault that you're failing, it's failing because you, haven't, you don't believe what you're doing is important enough to be able to engage with a customer or a human being and explain to them why they're, why they're here. How do you instill that belief system in your staff? We do a lot of training. Like um, what? Well, we, I mean, just essentially the basics, you know. Mm -hmm. like, you know what, where is espresso is from? How do you pull espresso? How do you weigh the espresso? How do you yeah. turn it all? We do all those things. Okay. Uh, but I think the, the other thing is, is that, you know, I tell my staff, you know, you're doing a good job or this is, you, you know, that person said something really kind about you. And I, and you know, when you go out into the community and, and you, uh, we were doing an event this weekend, Michelle and I, and we saw people that were not at the event, saw us, you know, lugging out cold brew and they said, oh, my coffee people. And they said hello. We saw Frank. We, we saw another young lady, and she's walking by, and we're waving at her. Yeah. And, and she goes, "Who are you?" <laughs> and then she walked around the corner and came and said, "I just had to figure out who was waving at me." And go, "We serve you coffee every day." It, right. And she goes, "Oh my God!" And, and it makes a difference. I was out in um, in Parkland, and I one of my customers go, "Bob, it's Jeff," and, and it was just another customer. So at some level, we are making an impact on people because they see us almost every day. So we have to be important in their lives that they're gonna spend every morning with us, even if it's five minutes, and we gotta reinforce that. I reinforce that with my customers, and excuse me, my employees. I reinforce yeah. that with my employees, every opportunity I have. You know, one of the things I really want to see my employees doing is, everyone comes, you know, they, everyone comes to work and they wanna work as many hours as they can. Sure. Um, generally speaking, most of my baristas and most of my food people I don't, even when they're, they want to work full time, I don't give them more than 35 hours. And 
you may think, wow, that's, that seems unfair, or you should probably give them 40 hours. It has nothing to do with any sort of benefits or wages or anything like that. It's because if you're gonna be on all the time, mm-hmm. you, don't, you cannot be tired to be on. You have to have rest. You need, you need to get away from it. The second thing is that I really encourage my, my employees to be students at the same time. They should be going to school. Mm-hmm. They should be preparing themselves for the next opportunity. Um, all my career at Microsoft, and that's why I kind of told the story is that I knew I wanted to get someplace else. Mm-hmm. And to get there, I had to take some very definitive steps. I had to learn about technology training. I had to learn how Microsoft licenses product to make myself someone that Microsoft wanted to hire. Now, if, you, if, if I have employees that come here and they just want to be a barista, there's actually a path where I would send them the certification. I've, sure. sent, I've sent Michelle to Tulsa to be to go through the SCCA um, training, Special Cop Association of America training, to be a barista. Um, I've done, I've offered that training to other people. But if you want to become a, a, a you know, biologist, or whatever sure. you want to do, I want, to, I, want to, I want to see that you yeah. have an opportunity to study, that you have a set number of hours, I don't mess with their hours, it, meaning that I've seen big companies go, oh, on Tuesdays, you're going to work, these are, I'll give you 40 hours a week, but they mix their schedule up all the time. Yeah, you're big on consistency. And I want, you know, hey, if you're going to have school, I want to know what your hours are, and I'll schedule you the same thing week in and week out so that you can spend the rest of your time studying. So have you ever notice, because you're always sharing those things with the staff, that the, that the staff will then regulate themselves so they'll, they can then notice things. So like, you know, hey, um, somebody said something or somebody kind of has, you know, uh, maybe a little down and they want to encourage them. Like, do you find that your staff get closer uh, to our, each other? Our staff uh, is very much family. Okay. And, you know, I explain to new hires that, listen, I'm going to give you the job, give you the opportunity, we're going to train you, you're going to meet all the people, everyone's really, really nice, but here's the end of the day. You could get voted off the island. <laughs> Meaning that if you're not doing your job, if you're not pulling your weight, mm-hmm. if you're not pleasant to customers, you're not pleasant to other people on the staff, if you're letting little things slide that the details really matter to us, what's going to happen is someone's going to come to me and say, you know, Annie's not the right girl for the job. Yeah. I, I don't think she should be here. Yeah. And, and if I hear that consistently from different team members, and I don't solicit it, yep. they'll come to me and they'll say, so-and-so is not working out. Then I have to sit down with that person and, and I say, hey, your teammates are con- concerned about what you're doing yeah. and what you're not doing. And I'm going to give you a chance. You need to correct these things. And if it doesn't work out, you're gonna have to, I'm going to have to let you go. You seem to be really level. Most business owners that I deal with, okay. I'm not level. I, 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 that's, really? Oh, no, no. I'm pretty passionate. There, there are things But I mean, that, when it comes to like having those conversations... With employees well, I'll, like I'll, that, I'll tell you this: that most Mike, people go way up, way down. Microsoft did a great job of preparing me okay. for having conversations with people about performance. You know, whether you're dealing with someone like a barista that's, you know, averaging seventeen dollars an hour, or uh, or a a star salesperson that's making quarter million dollars an hour, you know, the conversation should be essentially the same because it is as important to them at any level. That's nice. their livelihood. Nice. Yeah. All right. So you seem level, okay? And but there's got to be a couple things that drive you nuts. Sure. Absolutely. One one thing that really drives me insane is in a restaurant, in any sort of business, things break. <laughs> they break all the time. Uh huh. 
people drop things, uh, customers drop things, things wear out. I understand that and it doesn't bother me. What really bothers me is when someone breaks something and hides it or doesn't tell me. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is invariably you go to do something and the thing's broken or it's not there. And no one's told you. I go insane. I would fire someone. Someone could say, I broke a $2,000 cash register because I dropped it because I was cleaning it. I'd be like, fine, thank you for letting me know. We can recover from that. But if I come in in the morning mm -hmm. and find it broken, I will lose my mind. Really? I will just lose my mind. I, I'll be on a rampage. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Tommy Boy. Yes, absolutely. With the car door and he, he pulls it open and goes, what you do? <laughs> I, I, I get that, right? Like, so Because I think I have two employees. I don't know. And not me. <laughs> I haven't met them yet, but they right? seem to do a lot of things at times. You know? I, I am absolutely stealing that. That is a great statement right there. Um, all right, so we talked about the employee stuff. Um, well, there's one more thing about the employees. Go, that, shoot. Um, I continue to believe that uh, I like to reinvest in the employees. And, and, okay. and, and we talked about the training, but I like to, whenever I can, continually raise the employees' wages. Um, to direct, you know, so they understand that there is a path that you know, they have bills, and it isn't just about me recouping a profit from the shop, mm -hmm. but making sure that they get to do the things they want to do or need to do. I mean, we have so many of these uh, these kids uh, that you know have to pay for school, pay for cars, insurance, and a lot of them are on their own. And some of them have come from you know other countries where they're sending money home to their to their parents. Yep. And, now that you, the fact that they know that you know that, yeah, right, probably gives them greater sense of pride, sense of family, sense I, of understanding. I, I hope so. I mean, I think you may have known uh, Anastasia and Ivana. They worked yeah. for me for uh, almost three years. Now, if you think about in the restaurant industry, I have, Michelle has worked for me for four. But if you think in a, fat, in, a, in a restaurant industry, how great the turnover is. Like and every it, two months. Yeah, and and if you think that I, I held on to employees that long, and then even after Anastasia and Ivana got jobs that were more suited to their, their talents, because their English had improved, they had gone gone to college or were in college, you know, uh, Ivana's moved on and now she's a project manager for an events management company. And Anastasia's doing bookkeeping for a marine company. You know, but even when they were doing that, they continued to work Saturdays and Sunday at the shop. Yep. And, and partly I think was because they wanted to help me out. Which to me is you like, were losing two three year employees. Well, exactly. Yeah. People would come in just to see these girls. I mean, yeah. and we saw what happened with the tips. The revenue stayed the same, <laughs> the, the, but the tips for the for the new folks covering their ships dropped out. Yeah, because they actually cared so deeply about what what the what the customers wanted and yeah. how they were presenting it. Wow, I mean, so that's yeah, that's impressive. That I, I and I tell I tell you this, and I. When we're on the podcast and I hear different things, mm -hmm. I always talk about you have to understand that that's really different. I just want you to know that, just for your sake, you know, no comment. But that's really different, and it's extremely impressive that you see that. I tried, like, I fight hard all the time for that type of mentality, and to hear you doing those things, and also a little piece of me because I'm one of your customers. Yeah. I love hearing that too because people don't understand how. The small business, like a small artisan coffee shop, yeah. is so community. Well, right? You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So the and the other the other part is that um, when I hear stories like people come from the restaurants or mm -hmm. other employees, sure. and I hear things like where uh, 
they're getting raked back to five twenty-five an hour of the Florida minimum wage for servers. Mm-hmm. And you know, to me, I, I just can't imagine how any employer can do that to their employee. I mean, big companies are doing this. Mm-hmm. Other small companies. So you know, I, my goal is to pay the pay the girls a living wage. Yeah. Sure. And um, and part of that is you know a, a good base salary mm-hmm. plus the tips. And like I said, you know, some some of our baristas are you making seventeen, eighteen dollars an hour, and they're working from six thirty in the morning to you know one thirty in the afternoon, and then they have the rest of the day to go out and do what they need to do to prepare themselves for the next mm-hmm. opportunity. And, and, and like I said, Anastasia and Obama are great examples. Of well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happens in those cases is most people look at a short term strategy. Like you said, you just had employees for three years, yeah, right. The investment level paid off for you in the long run. Right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Most, because most people are used to churning a staff every couple of months. It's short-term investment for them. So short-term well, is just, I'll invest a little bit here, and it is what it is. And they've just accepted the fact that they're going to have people that leave and will never have a connection. Well, and, and here's the thing. Is that when we when we look at the way we go about training people, mm-hmm. it, training someone to be a good barista is very, very challenging. you got to learn how to see the milk, different milk, different ways to get the right to a cappuccino, latte, flat white, whatever it might be, potato. Um, you have to, you know, it takes a lot for people to learn how to do the, get sure. the skills. And I didn't like the idea of just churning through people to do that. So I kind of started thinking about what would make these people want to stay. And that's where I came. You, know, you pay them well, you treat them decently, and then you surprise them with things, not just with uh, raises, but occasionally I'll walk in and I'll, and I'll, you know, have heard something good about someone or I've observed something and they'll get a $50 gift card. Do you remember remember when um, I referred someone to you and gave me the gift cards yeah. for that referral? Yeah. I didn't keep those. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. But I went around. I kind of figured you would. And, and you know, I said, you know, Ivana or, or Michelle or mm-hmm. whoever it might have been, I said, you know, you've done a really great job. Here's $50 mm-hmm. gift card, you know, for you. Just thank you. It's funny that you said that because I kind of knew that you wouldn't keep them, that you would give them to your staff just because I know you. But what I found is when I do things like, like, when I get referrals, I typically don't reward the business owner. Yep. I'll bring donuts in for the staff mm. because I also know that's where my bread's buttered right, too. Right. Because if if the staff aren't taking care of the customers I'm walking in, then the owner doesn't care about using me anymore. Right. right. So right. I yeah. Once I once the business owner and I agree, like I focus wholeheartedly on the staff. <laughs> I'm like, hey, let's go. Let's make sure these experiences yeah. are good because I also want to be an asset for them too. And they call me up and they'll they'll tell me things that yeah. they experience. I get great stories from them. You know, oh, I got Mr. Dale, all that cool stuff. Um, so business-wise, yes, I knew we I know we'd focus uh, a lot on employees and stuff just because we know each other. What's something else? Like, what's the other than employees? What's the pain point you have here in this business? I don't necessarily. Th- I don't look at things as uh, particularly painful or. Uh, I, I I try it's to a always challenge a challenge hospital. opportunity that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think that the the most challenging thing is that. We have a lot of customer turnover, and it, and it's not because you know we've done something bad or anything like that. Is that in Victoria Park, it is um, a lot of young people, a lot of families, uh, or young young married couples that are starting families, and we see some of our, our favorite customers they move away. Mm-hmm. So customer getting new customers. Uh, and potentially retaining existing customers is always a challenge. I think about that all the time. And, and we have our loyalty cards, and we use your service, which yeah. which actually was it worked out 
really, really well. Yeah. Um, I remember when you almost did away with the loyalty cards. Well, remember you, when you tried to go digital with it? It went digital. It was the worst thing I ever did. <laughs> and, 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 you know, coming from a guy that was in technology for so long, you'd think I'd be all about the technology. But here, here's the problem is that people love these loyalty cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, to them, it's a game. Yeah. It's like I've held on to the loyalty card for 10 coffees. Yeah. And now I get to turn it in. And we have a bell there that we try to make people ring when they turn it. It's a big hotel bell, bell about this big, right? And when you hit it, it sounds like a boxing bell, like yeah, like the end of a round. Um, and we try to get them to, to, to ring that, but that that card represents you know something mm-hmm. to people. It, it's important to them, right? Um, it's an easier step too. Oh, it's so much easier. I used to have a digital punch card, right? It's and terrible to get pe- to get the staff to get the person to download the app and then have them pull out their phone each and every single time. And then sometimes the app didn't work. And so oh. we're, doing, we're doing customer support yeah. for this app that we didn't write and, and, yeah. and don't truly understand. Yeah. The, um, but we did, we got rid of that and we went back to the loyalty card. Two seconds and it's done. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I hate to it. say this, part of the equation is them losing the card. Yeah. The customer's losing the card. Yeah. Because it upsets yeah. them, but you know, it helps me too, right? Right, because then they got to go to 15 instead but of 10. You know what I found really interesting though, is when you do the math on the loyalty card, so if you go and you buy 10 small coffees, that's 20 bucks, mm-hmm. and you get a $2 cup of coffee, or anything else you want. You can, yeah. you can buy you the most it. expensive drink. I don't, I mean, that's the deal I've made, that's the deal I'm doing. Yep. So come in and get a you know, $6 Frappuccino if you want, Yeah. whatever. But I look at what Starbucks done and how they degraded their loyalty program through points and all that, where Mm -hmm. now it costs to get a small copy almost $39. Really? Yes. So you do the math behind that. They know something. They did some sort of due diligence on it to figure out that they can get people to spend more for less. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and I always wonder, you know, you you understand, I understand why Starbucks is successful. Yeah. Um, And I just wonder at what point will people start saying to themselves, is this really a good deal? Mm-hmm. Is this really, is it really worth it to go here for convenience? Is this slightly more convenient, or do I want to go someplace oh. where it's going to be a better experience overall? And, yeah, and that's where I wanted to see if I can really get customers to invest in coming to the shop. So, what was a what was a fear point for you? Like in the beginning, what was your biggest fear? Other than like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. Like, what's something that you really worried about that you don't worry about anymore? Well, when I when I first when I first um, started the business, I was absolutely concerned about cash flow, right? Sure, sure. Um, and then I realized, you know, the advantage of buying an existing business, I immediately had cash flow, mm-hmm. meaning that from day one we were cash flow positive because it was an existing business, and they were and we were doing this. I mean, this shop, I took on no debt to purchase the shop, so okay. I didn't have to pay off a, a loan or anything like that. Um, so, you know, that was sort of one, my biggest fear when I first started it. Uh, then from there, it was sort of like, okay, what do I have to do to order to make the shop more successful, to play my employees more, to get into training, to deliver the best cup of coffee in Fort Lauderdale? Yeah. Those are the type of things I, I think about um, every single day, right? Um, and then, you know, when I started, when I started uh, kind of examining what, what we need to do in the shop to make it better, it's, it was just really basic things like, you know, is it comfortable? Is it clean? Are the bathrooms pristine? Mm-hmm. And to me, that was, you know, I had more people come to me and go, wow, <laughs> the bathrooms look great, you know? And, and, you, and you, you don't think about those things, but it does make a difference 
to the overall experience that people have. Yeah, because if you go into another place, they don't really care. Right. You know, they'll, they'll churn and burn, right? They yep. just want to get you in and get you out. Yeah. And We've had people meet and date and, you know, <laughs> form relate, long-term relationships to the point where they're, they're getting married based on meeting at the coffee shop. Tell me one of those stories. Well, I know that there's one. All right, you, gonna, you may know one. I mean, I, I know I don't know their names, but I've seen people right. come there for a first date. I can always tell a first date, by the way. And I, <laughs> we always make bets on who. Oh my gosh! For what, entertainment what? purposes only. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right, I'll, all right. I want a story that resonates with you of something from the coffee shop, whether it be a staff that went on to great things and you know recognize you, whether it's customer service thing so in south florida uh, in like fort Lauderdale, broward county there's uh the shining star award uh, broward county does it I, i'll never forget a story of a bellman who got a customer's jacket and he needed it for a meeting uh-huh. right and he says i'll bring it to you where are you and the guy says orlando he says no problem and does it <laughs> right that's amazing and that story resonated with me because that bellman was willing to go that far for that customer right, right? I want your story. I want well, one that resonates. There was with you. one day when you know, sometimes things get messed up, and I remember one day we had a situation where an order didn't print out to the kitchen, and someone was going to work over on Hemishing, and she said, "I just can't wait any longer," and I and I said, "I knew who she was. She she'd been she's a comes in regularly sure. now," and I said, "Don't worry, we'll bring you your food." Yeah. Right. So she said, "Are you sure?" And I go, "Absolutely." So she started driving up to work. We, we drove up, I had one of my kitchen people with me. We drove up and she was walking into her work and we were able to call out the window of the car and say, hey, Delaney, yeah, <laughs> here's your bagel. And we were able to hand it to her as she was walking into work. We were that close behind her. Yeah. But the fact that she was able to make it to work on time you know, was very important to me. But, the, but there are other things that we've That's done. That's a fun story. It is a fun story, but there are things to do. We, um, uh, we, there's, there's a young lady that works over at uh, Mankind Barbershop, Sophie. Mm-hmm. And Sophie is currently making a uh, documentary of, of, of barbershops around the world. Really? Okay. All right. And my girlfriend's niece was Miss Peru in 2011. And so she has a uh, hair salon and beauty, beauty salon in, in Lima. And her husband, Yako, has a barbershop. So one of the things that we did when, you know, Sophie was telling me about this is when Natalie and Yako came to visit, we went to Mankind and Sophie was very gracious and showed them around. Now, Sophie visited Lima over Labor Day weekend and they went, she went to their barbershop and beauty salon and they, and they were able to film that and get the things that she needed for her documentary. Yeah. And then when uh, Yako and Natalie come for, for Thanksgiving, they will get interviewed by by Sophie here in Fort Lauderdale about about their business. That's awesome. But but the fact that we can make those connections because yeah. we actually listen to where what our customers are doing. What a concept! <clears throat> and and you know people come to me and say, do you know of anybody who's looking to do this? Or can you help me find a bookkeeper? Or can you help me find a person that can do advertising? And we and we make those connections whenever we can. You're like coffee <laughs> shop slash concierge. Yeah. Perhaps. Right? I was, I'm serious. That was that was a, a former life of mine. Mm-hmm. I was a concierge at the Pelican Grand. Right. And so I had repeat customers <clears throat> that, I, I'll, like, 
one of I had a couple. Their first getaway mm-hmm. was to the Pelican, right? And so I helped I helped the guy out. I said, listen, man, I'm going to make you look like a stud. Don't worry about it, you know. And sent him to all the best restaurants. Got him on great excursions. They had a great time at the beach, right? And then, like three years later, I get a phone call, and they remembered me. And they were like, he's like, Dave, I'm coming down. I need a room, and I need the best proposal you got. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, <laughs> right? All because I just listened. Mm-hmm. All because they came up. I listened to what they needed. And, you know, I like to say I just made that marriage. You know, obviously, <laughs> things like that. But it's different. You're just different. You well, know? Thank you. I, yeah. I didn't realize how different we were, but I guess you're reaffirming that. I, yes. Uh, that's why, you know, I love having you on here. I've wanted to practice a few times. But, all right. Give me some advice. What advice would you give to somebody Rather than don't do it, you can't say don't do it because that's everybody says well, that. Well, the advice if you're gonna I would, open up a shop, if you're gonna open up a shop, coffee shop, well, or a restaurant, any business, <clears throat> any business that anyone wants to start is first of all realize there's no great time to start a business. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. You know, if you think about um, when some of the great businesses that were ever founded, they were always founded in times of economic turmoil. Uh, four companies, four of the largest tech companies were founded at the end of the oil embargo in 1973. That, you know, that, that recession lasted from 73 through uh, most of uh, 75, 76. Microsoft, Oracle, Sun Microsystems, and Apple Computer were all founded in 1975. It wasn't a great time to start a business. No kidding. And they were all founded then. And if you think about the businesses that were founded in the midst of the Great Depression, because people didn't have a choice. I can either starve, or I can work for somebody else at terrible wages, or I can you know, just kind of throw caution to the wind and dig in and, uh, and start my own business. Yeah. There's never a great time. What, what really is important when you think about starting a business is have you arranged to pay your bills? Do you have the cash flow? Do you have the savings? Sure. Do you have the investors? Do you have the backing? Have you been brutally honest with yourself? Like, here we go. Like when when I you know wanted to come down and go to work for Microsoft, I realized that I wasn't going to get into Microsoft. Yeah. I didn't even try to apply to Microsoft until I had acquired the skills that they were looking for. And then at the end of my career, I realized that hey, I've gone as far as I can. It was a very hard decision. I loved working for Microsoft, but I had to make that decision that I had to go some do something else. Yeah. Right hard decisions so you got to start looking at how do i pay my bills what if it fails what if what if um what do i have to do to be successful what skills am i lacking you Mm -hmm. need to take this inventory all these things to truly understand if you're going to be successful as a business running a business and if you can be that honest with yourself you can be successful so what would you say is the if you had to say the one skill set is a must, like the one thing that you should sharpen up on to be able to run a really good, vibrant community business, you know, retail storefront, what's the one best skill set that, hey man, do your due diligence on this and be good at this one thing and everything else kind of will flow alongside of it. What would you say that one top priority is? I know you have to be good at a bunch, but the one priority. One priority. I, I think it would, it would be customer interaction really making it an experience for the customer so they want to come back, they want to share that, that experience with their friends and have other, bring other people into the shop. Nice. I mean, we, 
I mean, I, I'm really, we're very lucky. We, uh, there's this family that lives in town, and uh, they bring, they, they brought, uh, Jen brought her mother, and then her mother brought her sister, and then her other sister came down. And all they do is rave about how great our coffee is when they come from Connecticut. And, and every time they come, they, they buy the mugs. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and they're my greatest advocates, even though they're living 1,500 miles away. Right. And, and to me, it's, it's because we have created that experience, that we have paid attention to their needs. You know, and we know what their order, they pull up in their cars and we know what, know what they want you know, before they walk in the door. It all started from the fact that you realize like, people actually tip and pay before they get a chance to actually experience the experience coffee. the coffee right or food or whatever it is right. you do right um that's awesome all right so give us the, the website how can we how can sure. people find you you know some people listening to this might well, not know where you're at well we have two locations okay in in both in victoria park we have the express location where we're filming from today which is 911 northeast 20th Ave. okay um and if you're not familiar the gateway plaza and the gateway movie theater are very close by yep the other place is the victoria park shops at 638 north federal highway and um, the Wind dixie plaza or the Wind dixie is right in the middle of that plaza close to shock and dive or jamba juice yeah so that's that's how you find us physically and then we're on the web at um, sipjavaco.com what's your facebook page uh sipjavaco sipjavaco and instagram, instagram sipjava company sip java company and oh now we're doing all these videos so pay attention to those because we just started one that's called bob is fat is that the one where he smacks the thing out of your hand i saw that that was really so, funny. so my staff is helping me get thin and uh so so the reality is is that you know and i don't because people take a lot of offense at, at things and Whatever. the word fat can be very very unpleasant for Whatever, people. but man. but here's the, but here's the deal is that you know you realize at a certain point that you for health reasons, you got to lose weight, you got to drop cholesterol, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And so I thought, you know, listen, we're going to be adding all these great salads and all this, all this healthy food. Yeah. And what a better way of talking about it or being a proof that it works if I don't need it. Right. So they're, t they're taking away, they take away my whole milk. <laughs> <laughs> so I, for my cortados, I have to have almond milk for 30 calories. It's killing me. But we're going to go there. But it's for a good cause. It's for a good cause. It's for a good cause. It'll keep me alive a little longer. Man, I really appreciate the time. Uh, this was interesting. Thank you. Thank you, David. All right? Yep. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. The Robert Nichols Insurance Group works for you and not the insurance carrier. With over 100 carriers to choose from, we take great pride in making sure you get the best coverage at the best rate. We celebrate in taking the burden off your plate so you can concentrate on what matters most to you. Auto, home, life, health, and of course, businesses insurance. Give Robert Nichols Insurance Group a call today at 561-406-6153. Stop wondering if you've everything covered with five-star reviews pouring in every day about our service and our savings. Call the Robert Nichols Insurance Group, 561-406-6153.